comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 31 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in today. Today in the Rambler, I will be hosting Corey Linker. I mean, it's a TV making is really, what I love about it is that it kind of is a combination of all my talents and that I get, mm -hmm. it's the writer person in me. I mean, I'm essentially like kind of a, a, a loner introvert type and um, the writing is very much like my effort to try to figure out my place in the world and, and say that to somebody in a way that they might be able to relate to. Corby is an award-winning singer-songwriter, published author, creator, and star of a new scripted web series called Morse Code. He would define himself as an independent creative. Corby tours constantly and has shared the stage with Willa Nelson, Ray Lamontang, and Nickel Creek, and many others. Corby also will be singing a song for us at the end of the podcast. I know you will pull a bunch of wisdom out of his insight from his experience in writing, singing, uh, songwriting, and doing the movie stuff. So he, uh, he's he got a lot going on, has a lot of great perspective. So uh, just sit back and enjoy. The nonprofit of the month, I'm going to mention a couple that I've mentioned in the past. Next month, I'll get back on track with uh, getting more details of a new nonprofit. You can tell from the interviews that there's a lot of great nonprofits around Nashville. Um, but A Door to Hope is one that I um, had mentioned previously with Brent Gambrell. Community Care Fellowship. They do help out with homeless around Nashville, as well as Safe Haven Homeless Shelter. So those three are ones that I've highlighted before. So make sure to check them out. And there's plenty of ways that you can get involved in helping um, less fortunate around Nashville. Now, without further ado, here is Corby and my conversation. Hello, Nashville. Today, I am sitting down with Corby Linker, and we are hanging out in Midtown slash Hillsborough Village area. They got some really cool homes around here. I like it a lot. Corby, thank you for joining me. Glad to be here. So let's kick it off. Tell me, I don't know, about yourself in a minute or two. I moved to Nashville about 12 years ago. I've been playing music full time for, I don't know, 15 or so years. Grew up in a small town in Idaho. Went to college in Seattle area. Also, I'm a writer. I had a book get published of short fiction called Medium Hero about three years ago. And I now am flirting with, or I'm pretty involved in the Nashville film community here as an actor, writer, producer. I have a show uh, that I created called Morse Code. And we just sh actually shot the third episode last night. Nice. So is it out? It was just shot last night, so okay, uh, yeah, so I got to make it. Well, not the one last night, but the third episode. So uh, like... Yeah, oh, the show is out. Yeah, okay. you can see it on my website and on okay. Vimeo. Um, so, were you? Did you? Did you do any of the uh, acting or anything in the Nashville? The show? No, Nashville? I wasn't involved in that. Okay, but the guy who uh, was the senior executive music producer of Nashville 
is a good friend of mine and is scoring all of the Morse code episodes. So there is okay. some overlap there. Cool. Nice. Um, all right. So let's uh, dive into uh, a little bit of your story. Okay. You ready for this? Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> um, you can't see, although when you watch the video, you can see, but uh, um, Corby's got a very chill, laid back personality. All right, so tell me about your childhood years, and uh, are there some great memories that come to mind, and how did your family begin to shape your early years? I grew up in a, like a lot of kids out in rural areas, I grew up in a religious family, I guess you'd call them evangelicals, and uh, so we went to church bunch, and so music was a part of my early life. You know, because of that, I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of people have that experience, mm-hmm. um, which I'm pretty grateful for. I love those old songs. Yeah. And my dad was uh, is a mortician by profession. Um, so there's a layer of darkness there that was kind of fun. But he also was wacky sense of humor. He was pretty chill with his job. But like sometimes if kids came in or something, you know, something more sad than usual. He'd uh, get philosophical and, and write poems about it. Um, and so he I mean, there's there was this kind of this growing collection of poetry that my father created throughout my childhood that we all knew about and he never really pursued it. It was kind of more for him, but he also would write poems for um, special occasions in the family, like Thanksgiving dinner or something. All of a sudden he'd like bust out a poem and read it. And um, iambic pentameter, just like a really straightforward uh, by literary standards poem, but just really touching and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, evidence. My dad's like great, great heart. So there was a lot of creativity, but I really was going to, you know, I was always going to go for it. I knew that when I was a little kid and my parents were encouraging to a point. And then when it became clear that, I, no, I'm really serious about this, then they were really not pleased. Really? <laughs> like a lot of parents. Yeah. They weren't super supportive at the you know, late teenage, early 20 something years. But then after a while, it was kind of obvious that I was not going to quit doing it. Yeah. And I have a little, you know, I've been somewhat successful at it. Right. Well, how's the, uh, okay. how's the music scene in Idaho or where, where, where were you at? Well, it was not, I mean, it's non-existent, but okay. I, I moved out of Idaho from when I was, you know, 18 and was in the Pacific Northwest. So that was like kind of during the grunge years mm-hmm. and then death cab for cutie and modest mouse and all the, the indie bands kind of took over the Pacific Northwest. So I was, I wasn't really part of that scene because I was playing bluegrass and old time music at that time, but, uh, it was a good area to be musically just very difficult to tour out of. So yeah, that's right. part of the reason why I moved to Nashville. Right, good choice. Um, so, what what age were you when you first picked up your first instrument? Mm, well, I had p- took piano lessons uh, from six years on to six to probably fourteen, and just because my parents just wanted their kids to be cultivated or something. Right. So that, I, I, but they made me practice a bunch, and I kind of liked it. I mean, and after I got you know familiar enough with the keyboard and had some chops, then it was just fun. And it's still, I mean, it's the backbone of my music education. Mm-hmm. I still play piano all the time. Yeah. Um, with a lot of what you're, what you're doing. Cause you're, you're writing songs as well, right? That's yeah. what I've yeah, Primarily done do, for yeah. a job. Um, all right. So, well, and you sing too though, cause I've heard you. I do. Nice, yeah. Nice voice. So what advice would you give parents, um, that want their kids to explore music and how do you let them explore different, you know, types of instruments? When maybe they might have a bias towards, uh, you know, maybe a guitar. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, That's a great question. I think that parents 
I don't know anything about parenting because I'm not one. So let's just say that right up front. But I grew up in a situation with this little bit on the disciplined side where there wasn't like, I didn't get to choose to play the piano per se. It was assigned to me and it was, I was told that that's what I was going to do. And I was going to practice half an hour every day. And there wasn't really uh, any pushback or discussion. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was really good. I think that a lot of parents, I mean, I don't really know, but it seems like kids kind of get to pick their own way in life. And um, that's, that's probably good to a point, but I think that music requires a certain amount of discipline, Mm -hmm. self-discipline, you know, you have to practice to get better. And it's kids don't want to practice. Kids don't do anything except, you know, play video games nowadays. So I think that that's kind of important. And I also think that the piano really is the mother of all other instrument study, just Mm -hmm. because the keyboard is so easy to understand once you get the lay of the land, the guitar is a less more difficult in the sense that um, there's five ways to play middle C on a guitar, for instance. So it's harder to kind of see how everything works together. But if you explore a piano and you get familiar with it, then you start to understand how chords work together. And not every kid wants to, you know, I was always like a theory geek when I was um, younger. I wanted to know why things worked together. Why, if I hit that chord and then that chord, why does that work every time? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and the keyboard's a really great way to, explain like understand that right so i'm a big fan of the piano and piano practice in general okay i'm old-fashioned so i guess really come from the focus standpoint because if you do give too much freedom they could be all over the place you know yeah whereas if it's like a start here and i've heard that many times that the keys is a good base starting to do other stuff yeah i mean i didn't play guitar until i was 14 or 15 I, you know, was late to the guitar game by far. And now I mostly play guitar, but I still think in piano. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, piano, I just, piano is fun too, because you, you can get deeper into music quickly just by virtue of learning how to read music. With guitar, it's kind of easy. It's pretty easy to get those chords in your hands, the basic chords, but to get deeper into that, it's a whole nother layer. But from the piano, at the very beginning, you're learning how to play melodies and play counter melodies with the bass and you can it's a more musical experience i think uh than the guitar but guitar is great for writing songs yeah still so how old were you when you wrote your first song i was 14 this is a terrible song called uh maybe oh man i don't want this to end i know we have our differences but let's be the same instead just some terrible like you know little kid right. love song but um, I always really liked um, Neil Young and uh, those the classic rock guys, James Taylor, and that really like well-crafted song. That's kind of my my wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. So this next question, I was like, all right, so you're kind of doing some movie stuff and then you're songwriting and then you can sing as well. So I didn't know how to start it, but we'll say if you were just awarded a Grammy um, or Songwriter of the Year, who um, are a few people that you would make sure to think that had a big impact on your life and oh, why. Wow. Um, my late piano teacher comes to mind, Willa Ryder. Uh, she was like a, kind of the perfect piano teacher for me in that she wasn't, she actually wasn't a disciplinarian in her approach to piano. She just wanted it to be fun. And I think that I got away with a lot, mm-hmm. but it still made music very fun for me in spite of having to practice all the time. It was like I was practicing pop songs and stuff that I was hearing on the radio, which I don't know if I'd recommend that, but it was good. It was good style for for my personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, Artist wise, uh, Gillian Welch, Guy Clark, um, Towns Van Zandt, 
um, Neil Young, of course. I don't know if I thank them. I'm state. I've tended to be more personal. I don't know. Why do I go there? Like my the guy I played guitar with in my high school band, Blake Moffat, really bright guy who got a full ride uh, to Georgia Tech all the way through his PhD and now like designs spy satellites or something crazy. Mm. But he was a total uh, music freak, and we were really competitive with each other. So that that helped a lot. I've always like early on in my life and in my early twenties, there was always some other guy about my same age, kind of around my level of talent that was as hungry as I was. And we were mm-hmm. always trying to outdo each other. And that was really fruitful. Yeah. I didn't grow up in like a highly competitive environment. I can't imagine what it would be like to grow up in Nashville and just, I mean, music's really taken for granted in this town right. in, a, in a way. And also it's a commercial town, you know, so there's a kind of value placed on music that um, is biased toward money mm. um, and popularity. Right. And that, to, I, I didn't really understand that until I was probably 30 when I moved here, because um, I've always had a very naive approach to music, it's always like from the heart, and I right. still—I mean, I, my career is out of that. I, I mean, make—I'm a very tour-heavy artist, and I have like a small but dedicated fan base that makes it so like you know can afford a house payment. So. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's fun. So, has music always been a passion of yours? And what do you love about writing and singing? Um, and do you ever get bored with it? And have to kind of reinvent yourself, which I know you have a lot more going on than that. Let me see how to answer this question. I I mean, I do have a lot of things that I busy myself with so as to not get bored at any mm-hmm. one thing. I think that there's also some part of my personality that like I've just shirked responsibility at every turn. And so as soon as some, some creative thing I do starts to become a job, then I have to do something else to like... Cause it, I was like getting away with something, I guess. And like writing songs. Um, I mean, the first time I ever kind of sold out a show, I felt like I was getting away with something. Like, I can't believe this. I don't like, I, I'm, they're giving me money for this. When I've gotten really busy with songwriting and stuff, it starts to feel like a job. So I'll write short stories. And then I feel like I'm, I'm doing what I'm not supposed to be doing, which makes it more mm. fun. And that's, I mean, now I'm so busy doing all of these things that, uh, I'm just trying to keep it all going. And I don't know, I might be making a terrible mistake by like spreading myself too thin. I have no idea. I really have a lot of fun doing mm-hmm. what I'm doing, even mm-hmm. though we just worked with this crew in this last episode, two back to back 10 hour days. And that was, you know, for me rallying, uh, there was 20 people involved in that shoot between the actors and crew and all that scheduling that goes with that. So there's a ton of effort to just like make this little event happen. And then after the shooting happens, filming, then it's a whole nother level of effort of uh, editing it all together and putting the sound design on and then the music on and really trying to, you know, it looks like a real show. You're doing all of that. Uh, I don't do the sound. I do the sound edit and the the video editing because I feel that that's a really critical part of the, Mm -hmm. the statement. But yeah, somebody else scores it. There's a lot of people taking care of the the organizational details. I kind of hire a person and then work with them to just tighten up the schedule and like the shot list and make sure everything runs tight. I mean, TV making is really, what I love about it is that it kind of is a combination of all my talents and that I get, Mm -hmm. it's the writer person in me. I mean, I'm essentially like kind of a a loner introvert type and um, the writing is very much like my 
effort to try to figure out my place in the world and and say that to somebody in a way that they might be able to relate to and it's very much a me thing but the this show is so collective and cooperative that as soon as i put you know another actor says those words it becomes sort of theirs too and they never do it the way that i thought that they would and that's really interesting so and and then the organizing part i mean i did do a lot of things and i like one of the things that I feel like I have to offer the world is that I will get it done. And, um, I have that kind of like push go right at the end of the day. And so the, ch- the challenge of the show is, is like, it pulls all of that together. And then of course, every episode has a brand new song. So it still feeds that. Yeah. Thing yeah. And I get to do. Yeah. I like it. I mean, cause that, I think that's probably the key. And just like with me doing this, you know, being in real estate, like, how do I make sure that all of this kind of, you know, feeds somewhat of the same thing, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that's a cool thing about, I guess, as I've gone through different careers, I can look back at all of that and see how I incorporate something of all of that into what I'm doing. You know? Yeah. So that's neat. That's kind of what you're doing, right? Because you're doing this, 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 and it kind of ties together in the movie aspect. And, um, and yeah, I've, I've, I'm the type, too, that's like I get bored. I was talking to... A, a fellow realtor and he was he's super disciplined man he's yeah. he's really successful and, and we were just talking and he was you know challenging me to like making so many calls and this and that and i'm like all right i need to incorporate a little bit more of that but at the same time i'm like you know i talked to another friend he's like yeah he says you're more of a a business minded not just a realtor you know mm-hmm. and i i think that's because my personality is, is similar in the sense that like I'll just kind of get bored with if I got stuck doing that because anything can be mundane. Right. So it's like, how do you, how do you incorporate some excitement into it? You know, which is kind of probably what you do, right? You get almost, almost bored with it's like, all right, let's do something different, you know, but it still feeds all the same stuff. Yeah. That's well put. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) All right. So uh, shout out one of your favorite restaurants and favorite nonprofits and why? favorite restaurants i have to say dino's uh, in east nashville because it's a little dive bar with a really great burger and mm. i like it because it's my neighborhood pub it's also like gotten kind of annoyingly famous because mm. uh, anthony bourdain did an episode there and it's it's kind of a hipster joint but uh i used to go oh, this is such so east nashville of me right now but i've lived in east nashville for long enough that i knew it when it was not cool mm-hmm. uh this um kind of mover shaker gal named Miranda Whitcomb who uh, invented burger up, mm. uh, which is a successful local I guess yeah. there's three stores. And then she's since sold that. Um, but she'll start, she starts up these restaurants and, um, she went in with uh, a girl and bought, they bought Dino's and they left it pretty much the same, except kind of improved the, the food side of it. But I remember being in Dino's once about 10 years ago and it was all just like crusty locals in there, you know, a bit half drunk too early in the day. And uh, I was there with my then girlfriend and we were sitting at the bar and all of a sudden she just like made a yelp. And this, I like looked at her like in the second I looked at her, I felt something running over my feet, too. And we looked down and there was a baby uh, possum just running what? across the floor. Oh, my God. And it was. Yeah, it's since uh, improved the decor. But I love that. They, place, didn't, they didn't have the health sign. on. Yeah, the they didn't have. They had taken somebody had taken it down. Probably <laughs> better. You don't know. That's funny, but good burgers. So that's good burgers. Awesome. Yeah, and they they uh, they also were nice to furnish your location for Morse Morse code my TV show. So okay. I shot cool uh, two episodes there. Love that place. Shout out uh, favorite nonprofit pet pet community center. Uh, I was just involved 
uh, in a charity benefit for them. God, last weekend, I think I was like a Randy Newman tribute concert. I'm a big fan of Randy Newman. So a bunch of local writers came out and played Randy Newman songs and raised some money for pet community center. I mean, I like, I'm a real animal person. Okay. Uh, and yeah, sometimes cool. I probably like animals more than people. Yeah. I could, I could see that. I mean, cause they don't They're talk. They're easier to like. Yeah. They yeah. don't talk. I mean, and dogs come excited. What, what is it? You see the videos where it's like, you know, you could leave for five minutes and then you come right back and the dog's just as excited. Oh, if you yeah. were gone for a week or so. Yeah. <laughs> so I know the music journey can have its ups and downs. What are a few struggles you have had to overcome and how did you do that? Uh, well, I am definitely like on the independent side of things. I've had management and agents over the years, but, um, I'm also a very, uh, I like it's the get done, get it done part is, um, I've struggled with this and this is probably, this is applicable to any business, uh, delegating, you know, if you're doing it, it's going to be done right or the way you want it to be done. And Mm -hmm. also, you know, corollary to that is nobody cares about your career as much as you do. And so I learned, you know, the whatever hard way is a dramatic way of putting it. But uh, I'd rather know that something was happening the way I wanted it to be happening than have it not happen or be represented badly. And um, also the way the kind of music that I play, I mean, it's like crafted songs with just the right words. And I realized that like not I've learned over the years that not every, that's not what everybody's looking for in music. A lot of people, you know, soccer moms and stuff, they're just trying to get through the day with all of the list of things to do. Mm-hmm. So I I have a, it doesn't generate a ton of money. It's a niche kind of genre. Mm-hmm. But uh, after having pursued different things that were more like um, chasing money ish, like getting sinks and shows. And I've had I've done some of that stuff and had a little bit of success, but it wasn't what I felt like I was put on earth to do. It wasn't soul feeding. And for me, music is so, I'm going to talk around this for just a quick second, but like I'm doing acting now and I get a fair amount of gigs. Uh, I audition all the time. I actually have an audition to tape uh, this afternoon and I will, I'm not precious about it. You know, it's fun to just be somebody else for a second, even if that person is like a dad in a commercial and I'm not precious about it. So it's like, I'll, it's just a thing I do for hire. Mm-hmm. It's fun. But with music is very personal to me. And I don't want to do something that I, that's as I've gotten older, I don't want to do anything that's not very meaningful or like, and so I've kind of honed. That's part of the reason why I've done the show and stuff. Cause otherwise you're kind of, if your music is naturally like a bit more poppy or a bit more commercial or whatever, then great. Then you have, there's nothing to worry about. But I've noticed that mine tends to be very personal and I want, so I've, in order to keep doing that music in the way that I want to, I've had to create other things around it to support it. Like the TV show is really me. I mean, I get to do all of that other stuff, but that song that comes out with every episode is really what it's about for me. And yeah. so I've created this like little outlet that I've gotten, you know, so I can keep kind of breathing this yeah. thing into yeah. my music. I love that. Yeah. Uh, ups and downs. Yeah. I mean, just like all of the other stuff, just like the daily grind of keeping mm-hmm. it all going. I'm running a small business. I'm booking. I'm always behind in emails, like routing tours. I have a, a manager that's helping me right now in San Francisco and she and I work together, but it's still me driving the ship. So it's really it's all I mean. And also, you know, nobody knows what's going on in the music business anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just so wild westy, which is exciting. And also it's in more than ever a DIY world. So you're having right. to do everything. And, but you know, the other side of that is I have a really broad skill set. Now right. having done it, I can edit video. I can, I mean, produce my own records and other people's records. I shoot videos for people. I can just, you know, I'll sort right. of do what needs to be done. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's again, same thing in doing a little bit of this video editing, like basic, mm -hmm. but I have, I've had like content over the last you know year and a half and I've done nothing with it video wise. And so I'm like, all right, I just got to start, you know, editing and, and I'm, I mean, it's not, not too difficult. I can pay somebody to do it, but every time I reach out, I'm like, I see the, see the cost. I'm like, yeah, I can probably figure it out. Yeah. You know? So, so there's, that's the good and bad, right? Cause you know, it's like, Hey, I'm smart enough. I can figure it out. But also, do I need to be doing that? Yeah. You know, that's really the question is that with the technology now more than ever, even in video, you can put out something that's really competitive mm -hmm. um, and the tools to do it are within reach of anyone. It's mm -hmm. a modest budget. But then the question becomes time. I right. mean, like to, for me and for I know probably for everybody else, but time is my by far my most valuable commodity. I'm always thinking about how to best spend my time. And that's not always like some kind of strategic evil, like how do I push my career forward? But just being really deliberate with choices, you know, if right. I'm going to create a song, I'm going to sit there and unplug my phone for three and a half hours and really get into it and try to do that. And yeah, sometimes, you know, like with the show, I'm at a point where ah, it's just so expensive to hire somebody to sound edit. I don't really want to sound edit the, the thing that's like making sure everybody's speaking voice is at the same level shots and locations you get like what's called room tone that the guy the guy holding the boom mic will get the end and you like have to drop that in at such a level to make it just all you're trying to create this impression of this world and people until you're in it doing it you don't realize how important that sound is and all the crazy rides that you have to do with the mics to just maintain this illusion that that everything is happening with you know effortlessly yeah so it, it, that's a huge amount of time but i can't afford to hire somebody else right. to do it and so okay there's that's the word that's where i'm at right now right you know right yeah um, yeah that well that's one of the reasons why i'm doing some of the some of this extra stuff that i could outsource but i'm like eh, right now real estate's a little slow so i can learn how to do this and then you know sometimes i'll reach out and you'll see like the cost and uh, it's a kind of a sticker shock but it's also because I'm not educated to know, is that a good value or not? Mm -hmm. You know? So then sometimes I'm like, ah, not, I don't want to spend the time researching and I'll just try to figure it out. So sure. Anyways. All right. So with that, you might've answered this a little bit in that. Um, but with everything you kind of do have going on, how do you keep the focus? Like, do you have techniques that you use to, to keep you somewhat focused on the daily task at hand? Well, uh, not to delve into the spiritual, but, um, and I'm not like the most, uh, Christian of people in my lifestyle, but I do, uh, have kind of a daily devotional thing where, I mean, I, just like all of us, I'm like looking for my place in the world mm -hmm. and trying to do my best. And as I've gotten older, it, it does kind of become to use some, uh, old fashioned, uh, words that I phrases that I knew growing up, like just, you know, seeking the Lord's will for my life mm -hmm. and, and just really trying to let the rest go and, and be willing to bend, you know, if necessary, if I'm shown that this isn't the thing that I'm supposed to be doing, then great, you know, just show me what to do and I'll do it. That's really like my statement to God and the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, I think that when I was younger, I was very determined to be a successful rock star or a musician. And I, I mean, I, there were some good habits that came with that. I do have a lot of probably self-discipline in a way I will show up and do the job every single time and I will put the time in necessary to do it. So on and so forth. Um, but I think that in my tunnel vision toward that, I 
maybe closed myself off to other possibilities. And I've, as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at letting go of a lot of things, still showing up to do the job, but being available to change the strategy or do something else or whatever, depending mm-hmm. on. So, and you never really know. That's what, you know, like devotion, that, that time in the morning is really about kind of, it's a very weird, mysterious thing of being open to that and not mm-hmm. knowing if you're doing the right thing, you know, probably everybody feels that to right. some extent. So, yeah, I've always been like, all right, I'm going to go this direction. If you don't want me to go that direction, just close doors. Yeah. <laughs> I've been a big, big one about, you know, opening and closing doors because it makes it much easier if, if he just clearly closes the door. Then, right. Then it's like, okay. That's, that's a know? lot. Yeah. And then even nice sometimes you still push through knocking like, come on, man, let me in. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard to know when to push and when right. to it walk is. away. It is. It is. I think that's, I think that's always a balance too of like, how much do I do and how much do I let happen? you know yeah how are you hoping you're impacting others around you you know very short term with the people that i work with it's super important to me to create something that's worthy of other people's attention time effort and talent and so for me you know the writing of uh, the morse code show is what i'm focused on right now and so that writing of that episode and the story arcs and the character arcs i take it very seriously and i spend a lot of time writing you know 10 pages of script to try to get it as tight as possible. Anyone can act in a certain way. I mean, in a way that's not quite true, but um, the hardest thing to do by far is to write something compelling. So uh, I spend a lot of time on that and then creating something that everybody can be proud of. Because people, um, it's not for the money thing. There's a little bit of money that, and I keep, it keeps growing because I have this crowdfunding thing, but it's everybody's in it for the love. So if, right. you know, if that, if that, if it's not worth their, time and talent then it's not worth their time and talent they'll go away too you know it's important right. to keep people inspired right. um in the longer in the bigger picture basic to my life is a desire to help people um see things from another person's perspective i think that's the thing that's so lost in the current you know political cultural climate is that everyone you know because of self you know social media and whatever you can start to just really surround yourself with people who think just like you mm. and then you for, you don't even you can't even imagine that somebody would think that the way that that guy thinks like how and you, you demonize them and all I mean that's what's going on right now right, right in a right. way and um, a big part of my artistic efforts even the theme of the show even and a lot of the songs I write are about kind of endeavoring to see something from somebody else's perspective mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and having that that spirit of tolerance and forgiveness and empathy um, I think that's really I mean that's more important than my career to me or yeah. any sort of success or whatever. It's just like sowing seeds of peace, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. I think I keep saying that, but yeah, you, you got some great insight. I love the perspective just by doing this, like interviewing, you know, more people. And I think that's why I like interviewing musicians because a lot of musicians are out experiencing culture. And I think I've read a couple quotes, you know, just about just the fact of traveling just opens your your mind and eyes to you know different perspectives for know? sure um, I have to remind myself sometimes on the road like when I'm when I think how can people do the speed limit you know there could be some reason they could have some past accident or whatever um, like meaning Instead exactly the speed right limit now. exactly the speed <laughs> limit uh, but yeah I think it's always like yeah when you get to those points of frustration or um, anger it's kind of like why am why is this happening and then pull yourself out of it and try to try to look at someone else's perspective and the empathy yeah. that's something i'm working on 
all of us, man. I don't have a natural tendency to have a lot of empathy. So I think it's funny that there's are daily opportunities to, you know, be challenged in that way. It's just, I noticed it like every single day in like little interactions, big interactions. Like I was, uh, on the way over here, I had to get, um, gas and, uh, I forgot it's my fault because I didn't remember that when I got home last night, last night that I might not have enough to get across town, whatever. And I was running late and, um, cause we had this appointment. And so I stop at the gas station. I'm out there and like swiping the yeah. card pump and it's like not working. And then I'm just like looking around. It's like crummy gas station. I'm just like all indignant. And I have like six bucks cash in my life run in there. And I'm like, you know, your card reader's not working. Right. Like all like I'm right. super mad. And the guy's like, well, he didn't care at all. Right. And I'm like, man, people just don't even do a good job. And that's another thing that's wrong with this world. Right. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I, I mean, it's just you know, I'm right back into my own way of like seeing the world and how things should be. You're right. So yeah, when I, whenever I bid a pump, I don't keep receipts now. But when I was, and if it didn't spit it out, oh, I get so frustrated. Yeah, you know, just go mad. inside. Why do they? Yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's very, very true. And like you said, in a lot of cases, um, it's because like if I'm frustrated at a driver, it's usually because I didn't plan well enough to get there. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, that's funny. All right, so fear is something um, I like to talk about and um, people's journey because a lot of, well, we all deal with it probably from time to time. What advice would you give listeners who are letting fear hold them back? Man, I, far be it for me to have advice per se. Um, you're pretty but, wise. You got I some, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that we're all in that. Fear is the thing that's, I think, in everybody's life at whatever level you're at. There's no, it's it's never not there. And I think that probably some people look at me and be like, there's a guy who's just going for it. I had friends tell me like, man, you are just that guy who's like not scared of anything and you'll just put yourself out there and come what may. And I feel like I'm afraid all the time, every day. And, you know, I was afraid of this, this episode shoot, all the things that could go wrong. Or what if the actors don't get the lines right? Or what if I don't get the lines right? Or what? And now it's all shot. And now I'm like, well, what if when I go through the edit, I'm like dreading going through the edit, seeing myself and other, my friends on camera and having to put this, all the story together. And what if it's dumb? And what if I put it out and people laugh? I mean, it's just like every single day I'm running up against it. And I think that you have to accept that if you're growing, which is what we all want to do, you're pushing up against that fear. And when you're, when you're not, you're really not growing. You're really kind of, it's easier to not push against the fear. The fear is always there. And you know, everybody has their own definition of what that fear is, but gosh, it's just like, there's, it's just like the thing with the gas station guys, there's like opportunities on a daily basis to see that fear, whatever that is for you and push up against it in your own small way, knowing that you're gonna have to do the same thing tomorrow and the next day and the next day until you draw your last breath right that's a bit depressing but you know it's just a practice right like everything yeah yeah and then you know and then actually even as i as i said that i have recalled one one guy i'd interviewed and he talked about you know fear is obviously often a negative word but but actually there's a lot of good fear you know Mm. um that we have you know to not drive like a maniac around curves in here or else i'd flip the trailer Sure. So, yeah, so there's, uh, there is that it's good at times to hold us back, but, uh, yeah, I liked it. That's true. So that was great advice. So what advice would you give to musicians moving to Nashville? <laughs> man, go back home. No, uh, I, I don't know, man. Like I'm the Nashville's changing so quickly that it's hard to know. 
what's going on. And I'm, you know, 42. Um, I'm, st- I still go out a fair amount, but it's not like I did when I was even 10 years ago. Also, I'm like doing my own thing. So I, my time is, I'm just it's doing my own thing a lot, maybe too much. But yeah, I, I think that the most important thing is to get out there at whatever level and share your music and, and do it with people um, that are like you. I mean, like there's opportunities for singer songwriters when they first come to town to play these open mics or songwriters in the round at the Belcourt Taps, which is like three blocks from here really quickly kind of see how you compare to like, cause mm-hmm. not everyone's really good. I don't know if people know that, but um, it's good to be really honest with yourself too. And I know that, you know, the music industry is really full of young singer songwriters who realized that they weren't as good as the competition, but who still really wanted to be involved. Mm. And so they became managers or agents or whatever. I mean, right. and that's the same thing in the film world, all the crew people. I mean, everyone kind of wants to be an actor or whatever. Um, but there's most of the people that are on the crew are also actors, but they're just helping, you know, run audio or do set design or do. And that's, so I, it's really like about, again, about being like open to where you belong Mm because not everybody belongs there. And there's, I know so many people that are not super talented at the thing that they're trying to do and they refuse to see it. Mm-hmm. They, they just are determined, you know, like that blindness to <laughs> right. get to the top. And maybe they, that's, you know, it's, it's tricky. That dance is yeah. so complicated. And, mm-hmm. but man, yeah, if you got it and you got the fire and you're young and you, you don't gotta, you know, you can, you don't have to make a lot of money. It's fun to just go for it. That's what Nashville's my favorite thing about Nashville is it's a town full of dreamers. Mm-hmm. And, um, I spent, I felt like because I grew up in a small town in Idaho and then I went to college in a small town in Washington state that I was surrounded by people that kind of ridiculed me for wanting to do something amazing. And I was, I felt Mm -hmm. like I was having to apologize to people like, or just trying to be smaller and not ruffle any feathers. And it even in Seattle, I got that energy when I, I lived there for the last three years in the Northwest. And it wasn't until I moved to Nashville that I felt like permission to be my crazy self and mm. just go mm. for it. I like that. That's what, I mean, that's the difference between people who live in Nashville and everybody else is that the people who live in Nashville by and large moved here from their own little town to go for it. Right. And it's got that. I mean, and you better show up and come to play, which is kind of, which is kind of cool too, because <clears throat> you think about there's so many that moved here for that, but are doing other stuff. Sure. But just having that, you know, initial, um, willingness to do that probably has still stuck with them. So they're probably bringing that into different other elements that now they're pursuing, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of a cool, cool thought to think of, uh, you know, how that's an advantage to Nashville, you know? Yeah. And maybe that's why even I've heard so much, you know, in the music and even experiences with real estate, like, you know, sure you're going to have some competition, but like really a lot of people are here just to help each other, Mm -hmm. you know? to be more successful, you mm-hmm. know, at whatever you're doing. So I, I do, I mean, the, the music personality of this town is very collaborative just with the co-writing, you know, it's, that's foundational to the Nashville way of making music is to do it with other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that does infect every part of the culture here. There is this like, how can, how can I help yeah. in the film world, man? I love it. That's exactly the spirit of the film world. It's like, people are like, let's do something. Let's get together, man. Let's, what are you doing Thursday? Let's write something. Let's act. Let's do a scene. Let's, uh, let's write a song. Right. And um, so totally there's I that is 
what makes this town really special, I think. Yeah. And that hasn't gone away. I think it, it, it affects the newcomers with that same spirit. They realize like, whoa, man, people are like talking to me at the bar, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah. It's exciting. That's why we're, the, I guess, probably still one of the nicest cities, I guess. I think, maybe. I heard, man. Doesn't hurt um, that Amazon brought those jobs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was actually, I just, right before here, I had lunch with a guy, and he's uh, with Amazon, the strategic. He kind of works with that department that's actually moving here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like, hey, man, I'm in real estate. Yeah, they need any help. <laughs> what advice would you give your younger self in regards to, well, I could say parenting, because even though you're not a parent, you, you were parented, right? I was parented. Um, to uh, relationships or business and music, anything you would look back and say, all right, maybe do this or that different. Man, that's I've. this is where I just feel like I, I don't know nothing. Um, I, I don't know how to answer that question. Um, what advice would I give my younger self about relationships? Hmm. It's not all about you is <laughs> really, that's the lesson I feel like I learn on a daily basis and struggle with. Cause I want to make, I'm just always trying to bend the world around my right. vision and my, even my friendships. And I just know, I notice how I do it. And I'm, that's my, you know, that's my journey of just being gentler with everybody. And yeah, that's a lot about, you know, that's spiritual stuff. Right. God first. Right. And, yeah. um, I mean, just that orientation right there of not putting yourself at the center of your life, um, is a huge s switch. You know, it's a fundamentally different way of seeing the world. So it's something I'm still learning how to do. Yeah. Yeah. So to sum that up, just keep dying to self daily. <laughs> right. You know, they, that's what they say. Yeah. That's uh yeah, that's tough to do too. Especially when you think what you're doing is so important and everybody should, you know. Yeah, this is a great analogy. I, you know, like this, the, the film thing, it's, I, it's a Herculean effort, whatever. I really painted it in bold strokes. But um, everybody showed up on the set and I'm like, okay, finally, everybody's here. It's going to happen. Okay, great. And then the actor that I was doing my scene with, he didn't really know his lines super well. And I, I was like, oh man, we're going to have to do all this rehearsal. I hope he gets it now. What if he ruins my show? And, da, 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 da. and then I'm, you know, like just kind of, talking him up before we get into it. Where are you coming from? He's like, Oh, my, my daughter's been in the hospital all day because she got pink eye and then a fever on top of it. And he was just out of sorts. And I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. That's right. So totally. Here I am like, no, this is my, Oh, Oh yeah. 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 yeah this is totally not and that big of a deal. Thankfully you had some empathy, right? Cause it's at that oh, gosh, point yeah, you were totally. able to just go. All right. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Shout out to Alice. Hope you're feeling better, babe. Yeah. That's funny. All right. So from the great words of Paul and Timothy, Four seven. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. When your journey is over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? I hope that I've made the world a little bit of a more empathetic place with my work. Um, I, I think that the artistic life, the thing that I struggle with more than anything is essentially selfish. Um, I do things all the time where I'm like cutting out, you know, carving out three hours of my life to just try to write a song that might and I might end up with nothing and often do. I'm terrible at buying presents for my friends and family. I'm like dreading Christmas because I'm like, what do I buy for people? I don't even, I don't care about stuff myself. And so it's hard for me. Uh, and, um, but the thing that I endeavor with the art to do is to, to remind people of something that they already know. And that's something that they're not seeing on CNN or Fox news or whatever on a daily basis. People are so sucked into this drama and, um, you know, if, if I were like talking to Christians, I'd be like, what are you so freaked out about? If you're a Christian, like, 
basic to your faith is the fact that God's got it into control mm-hmm. and you just need to seek his will for your life and let it go. Right. It's not your, it's not your problem to fix here, oh. folks. You don't, it's, you don't need to change everybody's mind. Um, and to non-Christians, I'd be like, man, I don't, I don't know what I'd say. I have no advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just want with my work to, to create an atmosphere where people are better able to see the perspective of someone who thinks differently than them, because that is those there's a reason why conservatives are conservatives and there's a reason why liberals are liberals and it's okay to be both. It really yeah. is. Yep. Yep. I love that. That's very true. Now I have a little, little quick segment. It's called uh, the Nashville real estate minute or few. So how long have you lived in Nashville? 12 years. What made you choose Nashville? Uh, I moved here basically cause I wanted to tour constantly and it was a much more central place to tour out of. All right. What community did you land in and why that location? Mm, actually, the first place I lived was about a block away on the corner of Blair and Natchez. Yeah. And uh, that was for about six months. And then I moved to East Nashville and I've been kind of around floating around East Nashville mostly um, for those 10 years. And then I bought a house at Five Points East Nashville uh, about a year ago. So nice. How do you like it? What, what would it, you man. say about just, East Nashville? I mean there's East Nashville and then there's Inglewood. I'm such a snob. I feel like I live in the center of the universe. That's no surprise. Uh, Lachlan Springs is where I live and uh, yes. it's just so great there. It's like everything. I'm fortunate too, because when I'm in town, I don't really have to drive a lot because I work from home and it's a lot of computer work and booking and stuff. I just live in that little eight square block area. There's a Kroger, there's a turnip truck, there's, you know, the bars and restaurants right there. There's a great coffee shop. There's so many great things. Right. It's an old, it's got a, got a lot of personality mm-hmm. and it's a mixed community. It's yes. an interesting place to yep. live. Yep. Yeah. I lo- we, we actually, when we first moved here, we lived in Inglewood mm. for a year mm-hmm. and then we moved out to Hermitage and mm. now Mount Juliet. And I still love all this. I, I like the character and all that the community has to offer, yeah. but we're where we are. For the time being. <laughs> All right. So tell me a great memory that you often share about Nashville. A great memory. Oh, man. I'm trying to think. Of, I can only immediately the ones, the bad things I've done that turned into crazy adventures. But That's a good memory. Nah, I just want to keep it family friendly here. Uh had all kinds of adventures, man. Um, what's a great memory from being here in town? Oh, gosh. I mean, the, here I can think of one that just happened last week, which does touch on this, the community aspect of, of Nashville. There's a dear friend of mine, this guy, Robbie Hecht. He's a singer-songwriter in town. And um, he, he just turned 40 last week. And his friends uh, organized a surprise birthday party for him, uh, which I was involved in. And so there's probably 15 or 20 people that showed up at this house. Surprise, he shows up. But the real kicker was that we'd all learned our favorite Robbie Hecht song, beforehand and so we made him sit on the couch and we had like a little concert where we all played him his own song that's fun and that was like that's that's kind of a nashville thing yeah it's really a a thing that friends would do for friends because that's i mean he's that's he spent his life as a serious singer songwriter that's a lot of energy to put into something and he's made a beautiful body of work and you, you can really you know if you're not if your name's not in lights and you aren't rich and famous, you can feel like you've like, why did I do all of this? Mm-hmm. So to remind somebody that, man, you did, this was worthy was a real gift to give and, and get. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I like that. Um, all right. So what to look for in a good real, real estate agent? 
Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't you know. You just bought a house a year ago, I right? did, but I did it in such a weird way. I bought it. I lived at this. I'll just tell you how I bought my house is that I lived there as a tenant for three years. Okay. And um, the guy who's the landlord, he was just kind of a cool guy and he older guy and maybe musical. I mean, he was musical. I don't know if he was a professional musician ever, but he was just sort of chill and, and but shrewd. And he did. I just noticed how he took care of the property. He was really pretty on it. Um, and so one day I asked him if he was ever going to consider selling the house. And he just like looked me up and down. And that one, I could tell it right there. He sized me up and was just like, this guy, you know, for real. And I think I passed the test because he was like, yeah, you know, June, I was thinking about putting it. So I was like, well, let's talk Perfect. about it. You know, and so about six months of just sort of casual talking until it got more and more serious. And we started talking about prices and, and then I got the, the inspection and mm -hmm. we went th and it really was a very smart decision for me. The house has a, a unit behind the house that I rent out and um, it pays, you know, two thirds of the mortgage. And yeah. so it was just really about a down payment. And now I'm in, in a great location that's not going to go. So anywhere. you, so you rented for three years. How long you said you've been here? 12. But so I've been in 10 other places. I mean, I've been moving oh. around Nashville forever. Okay. okay. Yeah. But I've, you've been renting at different places. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. So sometimes you don't need a real estate agent. Yeah. This is once in a while. <laughs> uh, so what advice would you give to someone looking to move to Nashville? Um, well, keep your eyes and ears open and don't say nothing bad about anybody. Sounds good because it'll get around, right? Absolutely. All right, cool. Well, we'll hear you play a couple songs. Okay, great. Well, that's Corby Linker, and that is his story, or as I always say, some of it, because we know there's so much more to everybody's story, and you can only get so much in about, I don't know, 45 minutes. But uh, Corby had a, a lot of insight, um, a lot of perspective, and for someone who has so much going on, he obviously keeps it together. Make sure to check him out around Nashville. Make sure to tune in next week as Beth English join me in the Rambler. She is the founder of Nashville Creative Group. And the interview with her was awesome. She is uh, she's full of wisdom um, through life experiences. And I was, uh, I was pretty blown away with uh, a lot of the insight um, and a lot of her life experiences and letting God lead and creating space and, you know, just finding herself within her journey. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I actually just did that today, right across from downtown, across from the Titan Stadium. We had a great time. So make sure to tune in for that one next week. The sponsors for the podcast are the one and only me, Andrew Buckwalter, with Buckwalter Impact Group of Benchmark Realty. If you have any real estate needs in Nashville, if you're looking to buy or sell or looking for investment properties, make sure to give me a shout. I love doing the podcast. I love meeting new people. I love sharing the stories and sharing what others are doing in Nashville. But first of all, I love real estate. So I am here to help you. If you have any lender needs, make sure to give Brandon Hutchison a shout with Legacy Mutual. And if you are in need of a good title, David Weber with Limestone Title and Escrow would love to have your business. Thanks again for tuning in to Nashville Untold. If you enjoyed, 
make sure to share, subscribe, and um, let others know about it. There's a lot of great stories coming from Nashvilleans, a lot of great people making a big impact in the city. I love, love getting to meet new people and hear their stories. It's very encouraging, and I pretty much walk away from every conversation with uh, some new insight into what I can apply to my life. Make sure to check out the show notes for more details on Corby and links to the shout outs from Corby within the podcast, the nonprofit and the restaurants. And now sit back, turn up the volume and take a listen to a song from Corby. Like I was saying earlier, the Morse code TV show, the features a new song with every episode. So this is the first song on the pilot. It came out it's a new new song called If You Love Somebody. I can't hear you. I don't know what you haven't said. And this night's like this, it seems obvious when we're sharing the same damn bed. And the way the your face almost takes my breath away as I watch you sleep in these tangled sheets. I'm wondering what it's gonna take if you love somebody, if you love somebody, if you love somebody, let them Are they buried so deep that they're never gonna come? And you told me with your eyes before Why do I want something more? If you love somebody If you love somebody If you love somebody Let them know somebody if you love somebody
We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time.